Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. KLIM contributor Cole Stukenholtz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. The show exists. It does. We're back. <laughs> Those early morning kickoffs are great for getting your evenings back on a Saturday, but it's bad for, for business here at the Husker Hour. But uh, we're back. It's a bye week for everybody. It is. And honestly, we're going to be on for for a while now. For the foreseeable future, yes. That's right. The Iowa game, of course, is on a Friday. So mm-hmm. for the seventh straight year, we are your day after big Iowa reaction <laughs> show. And, yeah, the kickoff for Wisconsin is 2.30, so we'll have a full show right here for you. And then you get into uh, December, and you just start watching for some of those basketball. I know there's going to be one game with, like, a a 10.30 or a 10 o'clock tip-off. Ooh, really? Yeah, with, with like, Auburn. Is that on a Saturday, then? Yeah. It is? Okay. Um, So that'll be an early one. And then Christmas is on a Saturday. Mm. Can let you guys know there'll be a little Mannheim steamroller happening. Little little Chip Davis. Yeah. Um, and then the next week is New, New Year's Day, Day, right? Which we'll decide. That might be pre-recorded. <laughs> I might be up late that that night before. We just want to roll out of the rack and bring some champagne <laughs> with us. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I've been at the graduate. Um, no, <laughs> so we're in our funny hats. So anyway, that's like our weird start to the show on talking what we're doing for the next. That's our like pre-pre-show prep. That's just telling um, all of you that we are going to be here for you. Every almost every almost every Saturday on what has been the biggest week for Husker football this season. Did anything happen this week? <laughs> that was one of the conversations we were having on Monday because we made our KLIN poll of the week. Do you want Monday morning? Before yeah, the Monday news. morning. Right. Do you want? And this wasn't. Will he be back? Mm. Will Trev bring him back? It was. Do you want Scott Frost to come back and be the head football coach in twenty twenty two? By the way, this week, 90% approval on that. 90% approval. Yeah. Find me a president with that. <laughs> um, especially after four bad years. Think about that. Going in for re-election, can he get another year, four bad years? 90% say yes. Um, so as much as there, there's a lot of vocal folks out there, yeah. and yes is a very unscientific poll, but 90% saying yes. So Trev Alberts comes out, gives that vote of confidence, says... There's been a restructured contract. Scott will be back for another year. Mm. We finally got those details yesterday. Full details. We already knew that it was going to be a drop in salary, and then the buyout was going to go down. Cut in half. Right. So, for both sides, you come out being able to feel like you've got enough skin in the game. For the university, you're bringing back a coach in really an unprecedented spot at a, a level of Nebraska's to have four straight missed bowl games, four straight losing seasons, and you're bringing him back for a fifth year. For Scott, he literally gave up money. Mm-hmm. Restructured that contract. Jack Mitchell made a really good call on that on, on our show on Monday on what he would want to yeah. see happen. Yeah. Um, I said if I was Scott or Scott's agent, I'd be like, absolutely don't do that. Like You got them to sign that piece of paper. You can coach anywhere. Get that money. Mm-hmm. He wants to coach at Nebraska. I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking through a little different lens than he is. Right. Um, I'm looking through through the lens of what I make instead of the lens of what he's already made. <laughs> you know? Why'd you give up that one mil, Scott? Pass some of that well, our like, way. Let's get a little bit down here. Yeah. We, can can we uh, can we red carpet program the, <laughs> the Husker Hour show right now? Um, For underprivileged sports talk radio <laughs> that's, hosts. That's, that's the direction we're going. But not underprivileged. So, Cliff's notes for all of this. Yeah. Scott's coming back. Contract has been restructured. Four offensive assistants have been let go. Um, JoJo Doman, his career as a Husker is done. We've got the full details on that contract where that buyout goes to into effect after six games this next year. The day of the Indiana game. And there are unspecified metrics <laughs> that have to be met for the university to be 
happy with the progress, and it's got to be retained going forward from there. Uh, Scott put himself into a no-win legal situation, and by signing that one, from everything that I've read from legal folks who know a lot more about that than myself, um, but if you're doing good through the first six next year, and I know there are people that, that want to look at next year as an easier schedule. I'm still not going to think of anything as easier as long as you've had trouble with Illinois and Minnesota and Purdue. But it is an easier you trade, route. You trade Ohio State and Michigan State for Indiana and Rutgers. That's the trade-off. And you get right. Oklahoma at home as opposed to on the road. Right. Like it, it is objectively an easier schedule. But if you're in a good place and the university keeps you around... Frost can actually get all of that money back. Mm-hmm. Like, he can get all of that back, and that's great to see. And that's just on the football side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, men's and women's basketball started this week. <laughs> that yes. was its own adventure. Yes. Uh, but, but for all of the football stuff, Cole, what, what were your thoughts as soon as you saw, okay, there's the statement, we'll go from here, and then just a couple hours later, oh, they are making staff changes right now. Yeah, it, it, 2 o'clock was the announcement that he was back and restructuring, and then 4 o'clock on Monday was the announcement that the offensive assistants were gone, everybody but Sean Becton, which <clears throat> Thomas Fidoni, <clears throat> keep him around for, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, my first thought was he got Harbaugh because this is exactly what Michigan did last year with Jim Harbaugh. It's not exact in terms of the money and in terms of what they did with the buyout, but... Harbaugh was in the last going into the last year of his deal. Frost has more time, uh, but Harbaugh cut his salary in half, and it, it basically turned the temperature down on him on his hot seat, if you will, and and got the pressure down to the point where, hey, I want to be here. I'm going to bet on myself, mm-hmm. and look what's happened at Michigan. I would say that that deal worked out, right? I I would think so. Yeah, I I think that most Michigan fans are happy with the way that worked. Maybe they wanted to go away from Harbaugh, but I don't think any of them would object to that now, seeing where they're at at this point. Now, talk to them after the Ohio State game in a couple weeks, and we'll see how they feel. Uh, The the other part of it is... I I was always going to be interested in how this was going to get explained to everybody from the outside. I was always going to be interested to see how Frost and and Trev framed this. And I don't think you can be upset about the way that it, it's been framed. It's Trev Alberts has been very consistent in saying that this is Scott's vision for the program, basically trying to give him credit for the idea. Whether that's true or not is mm. here nor there, and that can be a separate discussion. Uh, there are plenty of people out there who think this is a mandated staff changes or go bye bye, or mandated contract restructure or go bye bye. Well, it, maybe it, it was, but regardless of whether or not it is, right? It does show everybody on the outside that if you're Scott Frost, what you want them to see, you want them to see that you are fully committed. You want them to see that you are all in, that you are not going to to quit on this team, on this program, and. The fact that he's willing to do the staff changes and taking less money and cutting his buyout in half, all of the things that, that came out this week, mm-hmm. it, it gives you uh, more insight into the level of commitment that he has in, in getting this fixed, getting this right. Uh, all of the euphemisms that we've had for, for this program <laughs> winning on a level that we find acceptable again. Right. So I, 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 was, I was kind of trending on the side of this is probably not going to work and they should probably let him go after the season. And I would still say that I'm probably in the camp of we should have waited until the end of this season. But if you were going to keep him, that was the right time to do it. That Mm -hmm. was the right time to announce it. If maybe Trev was trending on the I'm going to let him go side, you don't hear anything this last week. Mm -hmm. You let him twist in the wind, so to speak. Uh, but the fact that he was leaning this way already, the fact that you could probably tell a lot of this stuff was in place days before Monday and the announcements, uh, it, it leads you to believe that they were going to make this decision anyway. And so the fact that they made it when they did was great timing, I thought, because you got a big week of recruiting this week. 
You can reset with another buy and mm-hmm. a chance to throw some stuff at Wisconsin and Iowa that they may have, haven't seen on film. Mm-hmm. And you just let everybody exhale a little bit and say, okay, pressure's off a little bit here. We're not playing for our coach's job. I'm not coaching for my job from Scott Frost's perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you just let her you just let her rip these last two games. Well, and the other part of that is because you made that decision on Monday, and I had said at the time ahead of that decision that the question wasn't will Scott Frost be back or does he even deserve to be back? It's does Trev Alberts believe the program is better in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six if Scott Frost is at the helm in twenty twenty two. Looking long term, right? That, that that is the question. And if you look and say in five years the program is better off if Scott Frost has at least one more year, even if you end up making a change and say the program has a better chance of being better if Scott Frost comes back, then you bring him back. If you look and you go, I don't see the program being better in five years because of what can happen next year, then you make the change. Well, it was the right time to do it, not just because of the recruiting, but also, Cole, there's the the coaches that are out there that might have interest in this job now. Because we're going to get to silly season when coaches are on the move, when all those decisions happen right after Thanksgiving. The places that didn't make bowl games, or they are making bowl games, but they're making changes, and they're about to go through a whole bunch of interim head coaches and everything that happens there. Well, now guys can have in the back of their head, well, I might be interested in that Nebraska job. Oh, they want an offensive coordinator who's going to have full control of the play calling, um, and I get to help pick out some of my offensive staff. It's not just I'm now the offensive coordinator, but my staff's already in place. Mm. That person is going to have a pretty good say in the puzzle pieces fitting in for the rest of their staff. Right. I think this is the perfect time for that side of it as well, with the letting go of the four coaches, because now other guys out there, other coaches out there can have in their head, I think I want to pursue that. You've got a couple of weeks to think about it rather than it being a snap decision, and they've already got to deal with someone else. So th- there was a lot that works in Nebraska's favor this week. Yeah, you, you have... I think the I think Frost maybe said this in in his comments on Wednesday. That was a wild fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that not only does he want a guy who has play calling experience, not only does he want a guy that he can trust to just give this baby to and run those run those practices, run those plays, run the offense, while he does a more CEO type of role. Also, he he kind of gave some insight into the hiring process in, in which he's going to make this OC hire first. Mm-hmm. And then that guy is going to have quite a bit of input as to who the quarterback's coach is, who the offensive line coach is, who the running back's coach is, well, who the wide receiver's coach. Well, yeah, that's going to be, that's that's gonna be a, a, a process that that offensive coordinator is going to have a fairly big say in, it sounds because like. What if which you is attractive. Hi- right, because what if you hire a quarterback's coach? You're like, I really like this guy at quarterback's coach, but your OC coach is quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and he wants to coach the quarterbacks. Right. Well, you've now hamstrung yourself and eliminated those guys. You have got... The positions, and I really think Becton's going to end up taking receivers too. Yeah. Um, but you have the option of four different position groups to pull your OC from. Um, and if we remember, uh, Austin was also the run game coordinator. Right. Um, so hopefully your offensive coordinator can just handle all of whatever your run game and pass game is happening. Yeah. Um, but he's got running backs coach, quarterbacks coach, O line, wide receivers coach to choose from yeah. from OCs that are going to come in. Mm-hmm. You're not just hamstrung by, you probably wanted Matt Lubick to coach wide receivers. And he was the the offensive coordinator. Maybe that hamstrung the decision-making two years ago on who you had available to come in and be your offensive coordinator. I like having that flexibility, and of course that needs to be um, the very first priority. And if you can fit those pieces in to where that person is not a wide receivers coach on top of their OC duties... Becton can slide over and take some wide receivers, too. Mm-hmm. And then you get yourself a special teams coordinator. Special teams coordinator. How about that? That would be something. Look, <laughs> and I, I wanted to address this, too, and we we have just a few minutes before our break, and then we'll get to Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal Star. So the, the comment after the Ohio State game, it's not special teams, it's specialists. Um, and he doubled down a little bit on that this Wednesday. He did. He did. And look... I think we would agree that the specialists have had problems. You had both punters dueling for who could outworst the other in the Michigan State game. Um, and then you have Connor Culp, who was the Big Ten kicker of the year last year, 
just not have it this year. Like they thought they had that kicker thing fixed for 2021, mm-hmm. and it didn't turn out to be. And so then you go to Contreras, and he goes one for three, and 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 you have the the field goal decisions and all that. But let's not get it twisted. There's not just issues with specialists. We've had for years now absolutely no punt return game. Mm-hmm. Just no blocking sets up. No returner who's got you know the ability to catch it. Judge when to catch it, when to fair catch. I wrote about that like two, three games into this season. Everyone was like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, guess what, guys? With two games to go, we can see it really is that bad. And at this point, it's regardless of who you have back there. It's not a Cam Taylor Britt issue. And and the other thing is, you have the punt return. The kick return's bad, too. Like, I've resorted to up in the press box with every, you know, you, me, and Gary Sharp. <laughs> I will wave my hand above my head to fair catch signal literally any time the ball is kicked to a Nebraska player because they can't return the ball. It's not necessarily a return issue alone, a returner issue alone. It's not the coverage or blocking issue alone. It's all of the above. Is there one return past the 25? Past the 25-yard line on kickoff? Yeah. Ooh, that might be pretty close to... I think we've got one. Yeah. And then the the long of the year on the punt returns is 11 yards. Right. And you have 25 it, net on the season. Yeah, which is not not exactly where you want. It's not DeMornay Pearsonell territory where he Man, had like... DeMornay Pearsonell tripped and got yards. 15 yards. <laughs> and Iowa kept kicking to him. <laughs> just kept kicking. So it's not just the specialists. They're the glaring weakness... But I don't want to absolve the rest of the special team stuff because it's not just that. It's 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 far more than that. So I agree that they, they should really seriously look at going to a special teams coordinator as one of those full-time assistant coaches because it can't get worse. You can't let special teams drag this program down any further. It cannot be a reason why you lose a game or two in 2022. It just can't. Make special teams a weapon again. That, that's what that's what I want. Yes. Is, is don't just make it a, a third it's a of liability the, now. Yeah, don't just make it a part of the game where you look at it and say, don't mess up. Right. Make it a part where you can go, we can take advantage. Yes, absolutely. I miss that part. Make me put my arm down. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Please, we're annoyed up there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I'm right. That's the part you that's annoying. You can be annoyed, but you know I'm right. All right, Chris Basnett coming up here next. We've got a lot to talk about and some hoops uh, with him uh, from the Lincoln Journal Star. That is coming up right here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, a busy week. Got a little crazy on Monday, and it just kept coming. Nebraska basketball opened their season on Tuesday, and that didn't go super well. You had more Frost news when, when he talked to the media on Wednesday. And covering it all for the Lincoln Journal Star is Chris Basnett, who joins us now via Zoom, and we've got a big Baz, and we've got a little Baz. What, what's going on here? Who's the who's the special guest? This is, this is my son Palmer sitting on my lap, for those of you watching the Zoom. Um, decided to hang out and join us today and listen to Dad and his buddies talk some sports. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Palmer, I like it. Let's uh, let's get Palmer started with, uh, I, I, I want to start with the contract restructuring, because I think unspecified metrics might be the new disconcerting signals or joint possession. <laughs> Um, so Scott Frost bet on himself with this contract restructuring, and there's there's some ambiguity into what they are, there actually is in writing. Just big picture, what does it tell you that there's 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 some things that Nebraska did to uh, keep Frost number one. Um, get out of the the large buyout in 2022 if if they have to move on number two and then number three give Frost some incentives to get this ship righted just your read on the the whole state of the the contract restructuring and, and Scott and Trev and, and the news this week yeah um, I, I think kind of one of the more important things to me was you know when the date the date that buyout cuts in half you know I believe it's six weeks into the season whatever it is um maybe gives you an idea of what some of those metrics might be that, Hey, you better, you better start pretty strong next year and, and, and have this thing ready to go. And, and 
have some success those first six games and, and give us a reason to keep you around the rest of the season, to be, to be quite honest with you. So that's my big takeaway from it. You know, without knowing exactly what the, what the agreed upon metrics are, it's, it's tough to say, you know, and maybe it's a deal where they haven't even decided on those metrics yet and they're still working those out. I mean, and that's why they weren't, they weren't publicly released. So, yeah, I mean, we, it's there was nothing too surprising. We kind of had the details with the salary reduction. We knew about the buyout reduction, and, and now it's about all right. We know when this buyout kicks in. What's what's Scott going to be able to do those those first six or so weeks next year to, to make sure they don't have to worry about it? That's right, Palmer. That's right, Palmer. So looking at what the field uh, on the field stuff, these next two games, you've got some some interim guys in most of the offensive staff. You've got JoJo Doman, who's called it a career, and so he won't be on the field for for the Wisconsin or Iowa games. Uh, Adrian Martinez has been dealing with some injuries. What do you feel like we're going to see more of the same from Nebraska football in terms of the scheme and the structure, or do you feel like this is just going to be a couple of kitchen sink games where they just throw a whole bunch of stuff out there? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can kind of see both. You know, I can see the angle where you want to keep it simple because you don't have <laughs> most of your offensive staff. Uh, you don't have the guys that are putting in game plans, but you still got the head coach who runs the offense and you've got all these, these, these not necessarily new faces, but fresh faces, guys that haven't been in the coaching position before. So you might say, you know what? We're playing with house money these last two games. We know we're back next year. Let's throw everything we got at them. So I could, I could see both, you know, and I would bet we see, I would bet we see, we do see a little bit of both. I think Nebraska is going to be relatively simple on offense, but I think you might see some stuff sprinkled in here and there where it's like, well, whoa, where'd that come from? So I, that's, I'm kind of speaking out both sides of my mouth there when I say that, but I, I think there's, there's reasons to keep it simple, certainly. And there's also reasons to say, you know what, we're back three and what's the difference between three and nine, four and eight, you know, it doesn't matter at this point. Let's throw everything we got at him. Now that's on offense on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to be without Jojo. Don't know if anyone else is going to decide that. Hey, I want to be healthy <laughs> with my pro prospects or the guys that have, that have, or that are back for a sixth year. Baz, do do you see anyone else that's not going to be playing in these final two games, or well, what do you think is going to be there to replace JoJo? Obviously, against more run heavy teams than what you've seen than what this team has seen for the last month. Yeah, I think that's the that's the most interesting question right now. Right now, it's probably Isaac Gifford. Um, kind of in that similar role, obviously not the experience that JoJo has, you know, maybe, maybe not quite the athlete JoJo is. We'll see what that looks like. I, as far as other guys sitting out, I don't see it right now. I, I thought Scott Frost made that kind of made sure to touch on that in his press conference on Wednesday that, that there weren't going to be other guys sitting out. Now that could change. Of course, there's still a whole week before the game gets here and guys might change their mind or somebody might get in their ear or whatever. So yeah, um, right now, I think that defense is going to stay mostly intact outside of JoJo, and they need it to because JoJo played such an important role for them, and, and Isaac Gifford or whoever is filling JoJo's spot is going to need all the help he can get around it, all the experience he can get around it. So, yeah, I, I expect that defense to stay intact for the most part, and then I think you kind of see him play it by ear when it comes to JoJo's position. Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, football got its its run. We, we've had plenty of that. Let's switch gears to talk hoops because um, what you uh, what we saw on Tuesday was a little bit maybe startling would be a word I would use uh, with with the loss to Western Illinois and just the inability to get the offense going. Kind of took a little while yesterday as well against Sam Houston, but but Nebraska got it done. Um, Bryce McGowan's, however, uh, has has been a revelation, especially yesterday. Uh, just 13 shots from the floor, but 29 points, about as efficient as you can get uh, after really struggling to get to 25 points against Western Illinois. Um, your thoughts on the one-and-one start overall, and then as well for the five-star freshman, Bryce McGowan's? Yeah, they needed last night. They did, and I think it's as big a game, too, as you're ever going to play in a, in a college basketball <laughs> season when you play 30-plus games, you know, and it's it's weird to say that, and I don't mean to make it sound overdramatic or, or anything like that, but, man, they, they needed to win that game, and I tweeted it last night in the first half. You know, I think there were seven minutes left in the first half, and Nebraska's down 10, and, and you're kind of thinking, are they at a crossroads in their entire season right now? You know, and, again, 
November 12th or it was November 12th. There, there was 27 minutes of game time left. So you don't, you don't want to come out and just out and out say that, but they were in a tough spot and, and they needed to respond and they did. And Bryce was a big part of that. And, and I think you saw him look a lot more comfortable that second game than the first game. I think you've seen his confidence really grow. You know, I thought he was, I thought he was tentative in the exhibition games. He looked he looked like a freshman that was kind of trying to find his way a little bit. And you saw him make some some kind of nervous mistakes, some tentative mistakes. And what you've seen the last these last two games and even even last night was just a guy that's that's gotten a lot more confident and a lot more confident in his abilities. I think he's realizing he can play at this level as a freshman. Maybe you have some, you know, no matter how good you are, five star or not still an 18, 19 year old kid in college for the first time. You maybe ask yourself, can I do this? Can I play at this level? And I think now he, he sees that he's kind of figured out how to get his points, how to get to his spots a little bit. And you're only going to see him get better. Now defenses are going to start keying on him and make it tough, but he's look, he's a really talented kid. He's not going to get 29 every night, but it's pretty clear. He's, he's a, he's a big time throughout. And yeah, just really impressed by him through these first two games, especially last night. Well, in Nebraska, that that was hard to watch that first half when about 12 minutes into the game, Nebraska only had eight points. <laughs> and at one point I tweeted out, Nebraska's on pace for 32 points for this ballgame. That's never an encouraging one to, to start to do the very quick and easy math. Um, but yeah, I, I hope defenses start keying more on Bryce because I want these shooters to be even more open, so hopefully they can shoot a better percentage than they did last night. On the, on the inside, though, I love the development of Eduardo Andre. And he, he had a spurt in the first half that he was really in, enjoyable to watch. How much is his development going to be key as you start getting into bigger teams, more athletic teams than what we saw this first week, and especially at being able to mitigate as much as you can the the rebounding differential on the defensive end? Yeah, he was a guy that uh, we're sitting there after that first game going, man, is is he going to think about transferring? Like, is he even going to play? The the you know in in these early games and. and Look, they give the guy credit. He's stuck with it. He, he's, by all accounts, worked hard in practice. He, he obviously came in and played his tail off. And if he can give you that every night, if he can give you just that kind of energy, he's not going to, again, he's not going to give you 11 points and seven rebounds every single night probably. But if you can play with that energy, if you can if you can play defense, protect the rim, if you can rebound the ball, or at least make it easier for your teammates to rebound the ball, there's going to be a role for Eduardo going forward. It, it's pretty clear they needed him badly last night. And Fred Hoiberg said he was the reason Nebraska won the game. Yeah, he, you know, yes, Bryce McGowan's had 29 points, and yes, they did some, they moved the ball better. But look, that, that place was flat last night. It was dead. That team was dead. And Eduardo Andre came in and just kind of changed everything around. He had the, had the transition dunk in traffic. He was <laughs> diving on the floor. He was swatting shots. He was grabbing rebounds. And you need that, and he's if he's going to provide that every night, at least that level of energy, then, yeah, there's absolutely going to be a role going forward for him, and especially when you get into Big Ten play and you're facing the, the Hunter Dickinsons and the Kofi Coburns of the world. Speaking of uh, Ed's dunk last night, what was your favorite dunk between these first two games? Oh, my goodness. There were some, there were some good ones. <laughs> It was probably when I when I dunked my hand into the cooler to grab a Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, um. That I would, we were talking to Trey McGowan's on uh, Thursday, and I think it was the second dunk where mm-hmm. he went up and it kind of looked like he was floating in the air. And he said he lost the ball on the way up. <laughs> and he kind of had to like dunk it with his wrist. For those of you watching the stream, I'm pointing at he like he didn't have the ball in his hand. He had to like dunk it with his wrist, and like it looked sweet anyway. But then like knowing that, like he lost the ball on the way up and still found a way to get it through. That's probably the most impressive one for me so far. What is that like to be so athletic that you lose the ball on the way up? And you're still head and shoulders above the rim and go, oh, I'll just dunk with the rest of this appendage. Well, I wouldn't know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, but it would be pretty sweet, I'm pretty sure. Well, as, as the one Division One athlete in the room, Caleb, I think that... Uh, Think that you would be closer to doing that than either Baz or it's going to have to be a kid's hoop for me. Well, <laughs> I've I've seen Caleb play basketball in the Lou Platt Conference. He ain't doing that. No, no, we 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 are slashing and just trying to get to the free throw line. Right, <laughs> that's fair. You you got to get you got to get your game going, whichever that whatever that game is. All right. Well, it was a very busy week, um, and and you had football and basketball coming at you from all angles, and um, I, I guess we'll we'll get you out of here on this. 
expectations was a discussion um, when when basketball was starting to get closer, and it's like, oh, maybe we should lay down some expectations for Fred Hoiberg, and then the football team kind of went in the bad direction against Minnesota and Purdue. Uh, expectations for this this basketball program, and not necessarily juxtaposed with what the football program is doing and, and their their program history, but do you feel like Fred Hoiberg's team, and and maybe even internally um, as well, wh- where do you feel like the expectations are, both internally and externally, for where this season ends up? NIT on the bubble in the tournament, not playing that first game in the Big Ten tournament. Like, where do you think it is right now for the basketball program? Yeah, you know, I think internally it's it's make the NCAA tournament win a game. And I say that because Fred Hoiberg's talked about that. He won't come out and say that, but he talks about all the time about doing something that's never been done in Nebraska. And it's not real hard to figure out what he's talking about, I don't think. So that's certainly the expectation within the program. I think they believe they have the team to do it this year. Now, we, we've we seen the first two games, and they, they don't look like a team right now that's going to make the NCAA tournament. Now, there's a long way to go, and they if they can get some things figured out offensively, they're going to have a shot because clearly the the ability is there, the weapons are there. They, they've got to get the point guard situation figured out, and I think that thing takes off a little bit. You know, I, I've said all preseason and, and now into the season, Nebraska's got the ability to finish in the top half of the conference, and that I'm not saying they're going to go finish third or fourth, but you can finish seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there that's i guess that's not top half that's good math by me but um, seventh would be you know, yeah <laughs> but you know if if you're out of that that bottom four and if you're in that seven eight nine ten range you're you're probably in the ncaa term right or you're, you're at least on the bubble yeah. and, and we've seen that you know it's the last couple of years it's been seven eight nine teams in the tournament so look nebraska doesn't have to go win 17 games in the big 10 they might not have to win 10 games in the big 10 can you go win eight you know, can you go eight and twelve? Can you go nine and eleven in the conference? If you do that and you take care of your business and the rest of the non-conference, you're going to be right there. You're going to have seventeen, eighteen, maybe nineteen wins. And with the way the Big Ten is, that's going to put you in the NCAA tournament. So you can see, I think the path to the NCAA tournament is a lot more clear than it has been the first two years Fred Hoiberg has been the coach. So again, we'll see what it looks like. I think we've all kind of had to maybe temper expectations after these first two games. That doesn't mean things can change, but but the ceiling, I think, is as high as it's ever been with Fred Hoiberg here. I got one more really quick for you, Baz. Does women's basketball tomorrow go over 100 points again? Make it three for three. Who they got? They've got Alabama A&M, who is 0-2, has lost to Dayton 73-52 and Cincinnati 73-60. Look at you. Well, I'm going to say they scored more than 73. How about that? I <laughs> that that'll work. Over again. Yeah. Give me 103 tomorrow. There we go. Not a season low. Yeah. Not a season. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Never a low on this show. It's Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. All right. There he goes, Chris Baznett. Uh, he's. Uh, He's a busy man right now, covering all that stuff. And and yeah, look the the way that the basketball program sets expectations externally. I think Fred Hoiberg has been smart to play it that way, where he's not coming just out out and out saying we expect to go to the tournament and win a game. Because then if you don't do that, your season's a failure. And I don't know that he wants the season to be judged by that, even if they do make progress. Uh, depending on what next team's next season's team looks like, you could have majority of these pieces back and be a lot more experienced another year in the weight room, et cetera, et cetera, and, and to be right there. Well, and he, he has his own expectations of how he wants this team to play basketball. The the, the yeah. record this week says 1-1. One one. Fred Hoiberg is probably grading it 0-2, just the way the team played. Yeah. You, you know, even with that second half, you hang on by enough to go ahead and win, but you did not shoot the ball well enough. You did not share the ball well enough. You did not mitigate the offensive rebounding and second-chance points well enough. There are a lot of things that, uh, as Hoiberg looks at this team, he look. He's probably looking at this last week as zero and two. Yeah. Can yeah. Can you get any of that figured out for Tuesday when Creighton comes to town? They're not Sweet Sixteen Creighton right now. They had to kind of rebuild everything too. But that program has more of a winning culture than Nebraska does. They're back to first weekend Creighton. They're they're back. Well, they're maybe back to bubble Creighton, but and it, it, that's still higher than Nebraska is. I would say right now. So yeah. even though it's a home game. 
Even though Creighton's not what they were last year, it'll still be a tough challenge. We shall see. That's Tuesday. Uh, more more Nebraska ball discussion. Uh, that game last night. Uh, we'll uh, we'll dig into where they're at. Women's basketball, as Caleb mentioned. Yes. A couple hundos on the board. Uh, and volleyball. Got a huge win, a sweep, but then some weird stuff after that. We'll uh, we'll break that down as well. This is KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star just joined us in our last segment. And Palmer. And Palmer Basnett, of course. Big Baz, little Baz. Yes. Uh, if you missed that or uh, anything else here on the show, you can always check out the podcast page at KLIN.com uh, and the Facebook page at KLIN Huskers because that's where you get to see little Palmer Basnett uh, on uh, Daddy Baz's lap there. <laughs> Daddy Baz. He told us not to call him that anymore. Well, I mean, he literally had his son in the shot. You have to call him Daddy Baz now. I want to dig in a little bit more to that game last night uh, with Nebraska uh, coming out on top against Sam Houston, a game Sam Houston uh, with uh, a dude going off for 31 and 11. They could not defend Savion Flag. Well, and he was so wide open a number of times, too. Like, like it's not to say he didn't make some impressive shots against pressure. But he was allowed to get in a rhythm. Yes. And like that's that's one of the biggest issues. You're going to ha- go against some better scores through the Big Ten. You're going to have better scores when Creighton comes to town on Tuesday. Yeah. But if you allow a guy to just get in rhythm, they don't even have to be that great of a score because if you're if you're feeling it and you've had wide open shots and then you hit a couple that are a little contested and then you get some more wide open shots, it's no wonder flag went off last night. Yeah. And look, so the the vibe inside Pinnacle Bank Arena was excited. Everybody was ready to get that loss out of their mouth and and get a get a win under their belts and and it was it was just an anxious waiting for something to happen crowd for almost the entire first half. And then Eduardo Andre got in and did some stuff. He had 8 minutes in the first half. Six points and five rebounds, and and grabbed a little bit of the momentum back right before the half. He dove on the with floor. That dunk. Yeah, he was on the floor. Like he he was the energy that he brought was. It, it's not to say it was missing completely from last week or from Tuesday's game because they did find energy here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just they didn't have it. Like Bryce McGowan's was the only one who hit a three mm-hmm. all game for Nebraska. They were four for twenty. Two, and Bryce was four for seven. Mm-hmm. Oh for fifteen. The rest of the squad hey, four for seven's pretty good. I'll take that night in and night out Absolutely. from any of the guys. They still shot their free throws pretty well. Um, they didn't have that two for six finishing stretch that, mm-hmm. that cost them the game against Western Illinois, and they had to get to the line a lot. They had to draw contact because that's the way that Sam Houston played. It was it was. It was a pretty physical contest, and they wanted to muddy it up, and they wanted to try to force turnovers and get steals. Nebraska, and that's what you want to do if you're the underdog, too. Yes. Like, like regardless of sport, you, you want to make things uh, not dirty, but you want it to be more physical and try to get that, that team who's favored a little bit off of their game. Mm-hmm. Sam Houston did that. Yeah, and, and they their goal was to force Nebraska into turnovers and bad shots. Now, there were plenty of bad shots, especially in the first <laughs> half. Uh, but turnovers, there were only 11, mm-hmm. which was not bad. Um, the, the biggest issues that I saw last night were, number one, um, you got to pass the ball more. And that's not all on Alonzo Verge, but it starts with Alonzo Verge because he has been dubbed the point guard of this program. Mm-hmm. And he can handle the ball. Let me tell you, like he's, he's a very good ball handler. Uh, and he's a very good passer. You, you've seen that in the exhibition games. You've seen that in, in the, the regulation games and then the regular season here. Uh, and he had seven assists last night against just three turnovers. But he and, and Fred Hoiberg talked about this after the game. He had an off-the-ball role at Arizona State, and he was in scoring mode a lot more at Arizona State, where I think what Fred would rather have him be is a facilitator mm-hmm. and a, and a set-up-other-guys Kind of kind of player, and he just wasn't doing that last night. He was four for sixteen from the field 
They missed a number of, of layups that were not really contested. Well, they there, there was some there, were, yeah. There was a bunch that were, and that yeah. was that was his issue on Tuesday. Dry, as Hoiberg would say, driving into the pile. Right. Um. You're, you're going into a crowd, but there was two or three just in the first half that were layups that absolutely should have been made. Yeah. So when you're missing the easy ones, you're going to force some of the harder ones, and those weren't going. Yeah, I, I would I would venture to guess that Fred Hoiberg and, and company are going to put Alonzo Verge through a lot of drills that involve driving into the lane and finding the pass to the open <laughs> three-point shooter. That's the drill that I want Alonzo Verge to right. do a lot before the Creighton game because those guys have got to be open yeah. based on how many how much resistance they're running into in the paint. But you're right. It's not just Verge. I think there there's a mindset... Um, for a lot of, if not all of these guys, that they're apprehensive to pass the ball because they might not get it back. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that mindset right now is that they're right. Because enough other guys have that mindset that they're not going to pass it either. Yeah. And there's just not enough ball movement on the offensive side of the ball. There's not what, enough trust. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Is in. in and I really thought coming into this this season that that trust was there. As much as there are a number of new guys, that the Hoiberg system has been around for a couple of years, and you've got enough guys that have come back, so there, there's it's not a wholesale change from what you saw a couple of years ago. I think guys trust each other. You've got guys that are related on the team. So that, that's got to carry over a little bit, and we just haven't seen it through the first two games. Um, they have to get it figured out because when this team does play well, I think first half against Colorado, mm-hmm. where there is trust abounding, yeah. they play really, really well, and they're going to be a scary matchup for a number of teams because of that. But if you don't go out and do it, then the other teams really they, they can just wait around and just go, oh, we'll get enough offensive rebounds. Um, you guys won't run up your assist totals enough, and you're going to try to do enough things one-on-one that we can, we can stop that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... You had that 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 hits Verge. We hit on Andre. Obviously, Bryce McGowan's is is really good. Mm-hmm. Twenty nine points. What, one guy last night um, that once I did get uh, my BTN Plus working on, at least on my phone. Um, thank you BTN Plus for not working on Roku for whatever reason. Um, Wilhelm Breidenbach mm-hmm. reminds me of a like just a a big dude in the eighties that you don't want to mess with because <laughs> he got, he got in a tie up where he dove on the floor for a ball and there was another guy there with him, and the officials went to pull them apart. And Wilhelm's like, I am not letting you have this ball still. Yeah. And I was like, I think he's going to fight with the officials right there. Like he just reminds me of a dude for the Celtics <laughs> who's like, not, not even, not even the guys who, not Larry, not the rest of those guys. Kevin McHale, yeah, Robert Parrish. Like he might be a little bit McHale, but I'm thinking like he's a guy off the bench that they're just like, hey, I need three minutes, go, yeah. and he's just going to go rough somebody up. Yeah, Wilhelm gave me that vibe last night, and I want more of that. You want be- more of the scraggly beard? I, I and want the red specs. Mo- yeah, I want more of that because you're going to get into the Big Ten season and be going against guys that are more skilled. They're they're just as tall. They're they're stronger. You're going to have to muddy it up a little bit. You're going to have to show them that even though you are a true freshman and even though you are just Nebraska, that you're not going to take somebody rolling into the gym and just being like, oh, I'm Michigan State or I'm Purdue and, and we're better than you. And we're, I want that we attitude. Yes. You, you have to have You have to force it when you're Nebraska. And you have what, to play with the chip. That's what we saw from um, Eduardo Andre and his stretch out there. There was yeah. an attitude that he was going to get everything done. Yeah. Um, we're seeing more of that from Bryce as he realizes he can play at this level, you know, and, and it, it's being comfortable playing at this level with teammates that are three, four years older than you, mm-hmm. um, going against this competition that at times is three, four years older than you. I think that that is going to be the biggest thing for this Hoiberg team. Besides trusting each other, it's having the attitude that you deserve to be here as a team, even though you are Nebraska. Yeah. Derek Walker didn't play very many minutes last night. He only had 20 minutes in the game, uh, seven points and eight rebounds when he was in there, but just didn't play as much. I think he's going to be a hugely important player for this team, yeah. especially when we get into Big Ten play. It'll be a little bit different maybe in the non-conference depending on the matchups. Um, and then even in Big Ten play, matchups will dictate certain things. But, man, to, to, to see some of the big guys that they will see in Big Ten play with Kofi Coburn and all of the towers at Purdue and Hunter Dickinson, um, EJ Liddell, he's going to have to be, number one, a leader for Breedenbach and for Eduardo Andre and anybody else who's going to play the five at any point. Uh, Lat Mayan may get in there a little bit, too. 
he's going to have to show them how it's done. He's going to have to take the reins and be the guy to get a ton of rebounds, be the guy to box out and help another guy get a rebound, Mm -hmm. Uh, be the guy that they can throw the ball down low to when those three-pointers aren't falling, and just get something. Get to the line, get the foul counts rung up on the other players. Like uh, He's going to have to do stuff like that a lot this season if Nebraska is going to remain in the bubble conversation into mm-hmm. Valentine's Day or so and, and into the end of February and into March. Well, and he's, he's a guy that doesn't doesn't have a problem with mixing it up with guys that are bigger than him. Right. Um, and that, that's one of the things that I so enjoyed watching when he really got his time last year. It was, oh, this this guy is necessary inside just because of the attitude he plays with. Mm. And we got to get to our, our break here, but Trey McGowan's one other guy I wanted to mention. No points in the first half. He was minus 12, the worst plus-minus for either team in the first half. Uh, he had not really done badly. He just missed his shots. He had mm-hmm. a, a front end of a one and one at the foul line that he yep. missed as well. And and it was just a it was just a rough half for him. And it started off poorly in the, the second half because he got that technical right off the bat that led to a five point possession <laughs> that stretched a five point halftime deficit into a ten point deficit right off the bat in the second half. Um, but credit to him, ended up with eight points, got four of them from the line, um, ended up with nine rebounds, which led the team uh, led Nebraska six of them in the first half, in the second half, I should say, uh, and had a LeBron in the final style chase down block. <laughs> he has a play every single game where he does something that gets the crowd on their feet, even if it's not scoring, and that's pretty impressive to do because he he's not always going to be able to score it like his brother and like others. He will sometimes, mm-hmm. but he's just not a natural scorer, but he's so athletic, and the other parts of his game can really help this team play winning basketball. Right. And and he's basically the de facto leader, having been a big part of last year's team and the biggest part that returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it was good to see him fight through that in the second half as the rest of the team did to get the win. All right, uh, we got volleyball and women's basketball to hit on when we come back and uh, maybe sneak in a little bit more uh, thoughts on football when we return here on the KLI and Husker Hour. At this station, Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on fourteen hundred and ninety-nine-three KLIN. Wrapping this show up here on your Saturday morning, I'm gonna have quite a bit of leaf raking to do later. Oh, it's that time of year. Bi- bi-week duties, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been pushed off for far too long. Uh, so, uh, also pushing off, uh, we pushed off volleyball. They, they got a they got back to their their sweeping ways. Oh, a get right win. Yes. absolutely. After that five, well, so that that was a crazy five um, five match stretch that they had. Five ranked teams, all ranked teams, two and three. Is and the way. And, and it, yeah, it didn't didn't go the way that I don't think uh, anybody envisioned it. But um, they're still ranked what eleventh in the country, mm-hmm. um, right there with a, a big cluster of other Big Ten teams from like eight to twelve, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now they've got a, a little bit of a run here, six matches to end the season. Started off with a twenty-five to eleven, <laughs> eleven. We almost achieved a single point. Uh, held held to a single point. We have set. gotten that this 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 season, which I, I missed. It, it. I think it was against Rutgers. It was a okay. Yeah, there was a twenty five nine. Twenty five nine. Dang, I missed it. Yeah, it was it was a Sunday match. Jack missed it too. Mm, a Sunday. <laughs> that's that's what it was. Yeah. So so they do that. They get the sweep, uh, and then after the match, just not not a not a great story emerging from from Fanny Center. Right. So here's. Without any commentary from us, because whatever you believe about the the, the national anthem and in protesting, no one's changing your mind. So here's what happened: was there is a player for Maryland volleyball who knelt during the national anthem. Um, there was a slight pause before the music started, and apparently, and one Nebraska fan, or I think there was a couple, um, but at least one of the things that was said was allegedly "stand up, you piece of trash," um, and it was heard by a, a number of people. Um, Clearly was uh, rattling some of the players. Coach Cook addressed that right away after the game. His exact statement, quote, Our players were rattled during the Star-Spangled Banner because we had fans getting on Maryland players. We had a couple players that were upset that were actually playing in the match. I just don't think that's our fans' place to say things during a match. It's putting judgment on the other team, and this is a volleyball match. We're not here to do that. I'm a little disappointed that happened. Our players apologized to the Maryland players after the match. There are other ways to express people's opinions, but 
but not right at the Star Spangled Banner and introductions, end quote. So that's what happened last night. There's uh, Lincoln Arneal's got an article on it. A number of people have got articles on it, um, and they'll get into a lot more detail on that. So a little bit of um, not fun publicity coming out of the match that was uh, really well played, although sloppy in that first for Nebraska Volleyball who gets the sweep, and they're going to go ahead and try to continue getting on the right track. Women's basketball this week started out 2-0. and As we said, they went over 100 points twice. Um, 108 in the season opener. Uh, offense was a little shallow on Thursday. They only got to 102. Disappointing. <laughs> um, first time, first time in school history that they have gotten 100 point wins in back to back games. First time since 1983 that they have gone over 100 in back to back games. Yes, that means you in one of those of games those. in 1983 <laughs> they did lose. Oh um, man! So thank the you to 80s. Jeff. Thank you to Jeff Grease for that. And he said there's there a number of times in the 70s that the team would routinely be in the 90s and 100s, just never back-to-back. Wow. Um, and as we, we said with Baz earlier today, there's a possibility for Nebraska women's basketball, which, by the way, will be right here tomorrow, um, that game set for a 2 p.m. tip, 145 pregame, because volleyball is going to be on B1073. So Nebraska women's basketball right here, taking on Alabama A&M, who is 0-2 on the season and has given up more than 70 points in both of those games to Dayton and Cincinnati. And I think Nebraska is better than both of those teams, especially the way they're playing right now. Boy, Jazz Shelley can play. What a get from the transfer portal. The Oregon product who played for the Opals, that's the Australian national team in the Asia Cup. Um, I talked with Matt Cotney after the game, and he said from watching Shelley's tape before this last summer, oh, her playing this summer, she has jumped up. Her ability. She clearly put in a lot of work. Um, Alexis Markowski is going to be fun to watch. Uh, Wiedner um, from Humphrey St. Francis is going to be fun to watch. And then, of course, you have Sam Hybe, who's just able to control the game out there. Izzy Bourne is still Izzy Bourne. Bella yeah. Cravens is moving folks around. Um, both Kendalls, uh, Coley and Moriarty, they're fun to watch. This is a really fun team. Um, so I encourage you guys, listen here tomorrow at 2. And if you can get out to a game, always come out and support the Huskers. And volleyball at Indiana on Sunday. That'll be over on B107.3. No football. So we'll be back with uh, maybe a little bit of a Wisconsin preview. We'll talk what's on the field next week. Um, that'll be fun to get back to uh, some football, some on-field stuff discussion next week. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you next week. Wear your